everyone, and welcome to One Control Report Podcast, episode 280. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today, talking to you about video games. This is kind of another one of those weird weeks where I'm in between the week. This is a Wednesday that I'm recording this. Um, so it's going to be a, a chunk of news stories, a lot of updates, I feel like, on some past news stories, um, just like one or two new things. Um, and then mainly it's going to be a focus, I think, on the Patreon question as well. Um, but to, to give you a quick update of what's been going on. So if you didn't know, I was out over the weekend last weekend. I went camping, went off to camp. So a big family reunion thing. I didn't realize how big it was going to be, honestly, until I got there. I was like, oh, a lot of people came. And uh, if you don't know, I have a very big family. So so it was just like tons and tons and tons of people. I'm like, boy, this is probably like this is a little little camp convention that's happening so anyways um it was fun you know not a lot really going on there i think the big thing that really came up came up gaming wise was just you know when you're when you're having those little conversations with people about games especially you know the younger family members um the thing that stands out to me the most is just like how distant i've become from a lot of like mainstream gaming in some ways like I don't want to say too much, but like, you know, I, I can talk about games like No Man's Sky and I can talk about Call of Duty and I can talk about whatever, whatever, whatever. Right. Um, and, you know, I've played some bigger games like Apex. Like I definitely don't like shy away from those experiences that they're interesting to me. But a lot of times, like what is currently is like the, the most talked about thing usually is so far away from me where like I can listen and I have historical context to hold a conversation about it. But it's really hard for me to just be like when somebody comes up to me and they're like, hey, what have you been playing? And I'm like, well, Farland Story FX, which I did beat recently, thank God. Um, I, I forgot that that did happen between now and the last podcast. Um, I've, I've talked enough about Farland Story, so I won't go into details. And there'll be some kind of representation on that in the channel in the future or or, or from me, at least in the future. So, um, but yeah, so it's just one of the things that like I've, as I get older, I'm noticing this distance from me and it's not necessarily an age thing. I just think it's more of a type of game thing, right? Like I like talking about very kind of off kilter games in a lot of ways. And those are the games I'm naturally attracted to. And so the more popular stuff, I definitely can come around and playing it. And I do enjoy it. Again, I put like a hundred plus hours into Apex and had like a great time in recent years. But like, that's one of my only touchstones when it comes to like the modern live game market and things like that. So it's just one of those things that you just, I just started to notice kind of thing. But I still, you know, have a lot of good conversations and enjoyed those conversations with people um, and it seems like people will get along with me, I guess. I don't really know. It's, it's really weird. Cause like, I feel like kind of a, uh, I don't know if a black sheep is the right word, but I don't really feel super connected to a lot of my family. <laughs> so, I mean, it's huge. So, you know, how many people really do, but I've had like a couple mentions from people sometimes of just like, Oh, like this person thinks you're interesting in this way and it's just kind of a weird thing to hear about sometimes so anyways maybe it's just people talking up stuff but whatever i went camping it was a good time whatever 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 uh i don't want to talk too much about it but i did play some games this last week i played two games um i, I mentioned it last week that i'd play asphalt urban gt for the nintendo ds i did start doing that and i will say i was pleasantly surprised by it uh, it plays a lot better than i expected and honestly it's one of those things that like if i were to go back to 2004 and most people would ask me you know what racing game 
would you prefer to check out on the system? And I, I think I would recommend, you know, between like Ridge Racer DS and Asphalt Urban GT, GT is probably Asphalt Urban GT, honestly. It's just really accessible. I think it plays very well. And it's just like a really well-rounded racing game. And I will say that I haven't had a lot of experiences with games like Gran Turismo, where, you know, you have like a career mode. So this is like one of the first times I've really interacted with a more traditional racing game's career mode. Um, it is a very arcadey racer, don't get me wrong. It's not like a sim but it's just like I've had to like buy cars and buy cars for specific events and tune cars in a way that like, you know, as, as a racing game fan, I mostly care about games like, you know, that are kind of off kilter, like Pimpin Triathlon, most of the big Nintendo stuff. Right. So these kind of like more like, hey, you're going to get this Nissan, the, 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 the car name Nissan Ultima is coming up. I don't know if that's a real car in the game. I don't know. Let's call it a Nissan Ultima 2004. I don't know why I'm saying that, but we're going to do that. Um, and it's just like kind of a different experience and I'm like having to upgrade parts that I don't know what they do. I'm like, okay, all of these just upgrade my miles per or my, my horsepower or something like that. And I don't really know the nuances and maybe there is no nuance. It's one of those things I can't really speak to. Maybe they're all just, Hey, go faster when you upgrade to it. So it's been kind of an interesting experience with that. And I think the drift mechanics work pretty well where Ridge Racer has a very steep learning curve when it comes to its, uh, 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 drift mechanics. So I'm very happy with, with how it plays overall. And I'm really enjoying it. I'm going to play more of it on my flight when I go up to Portland retro game expo this upcoming weekend, hence why we're recording early. Um, and hopefully try to get through it as much as I can. Um, again, I'm kind of unfamiliar with career mode. So I think it's taking me a little bit longer to kind of figure out what I need to do, how I need to upgrade my cars than maybe a person who normally would play one of these games, but really enjoyed that. Um, and then also I played Samba de Amigo on the Wii. I wanted something really short after Farland Story FX. And, uh, and I've been kind of, I've had a handful of different itches, but Rhythm Games was one of those that I kept neglecting. And I keep buying Rhythm Games even though I don't need them. <laughs> um, so I got like Mad Maestro recently as well. So I'm trying to get through some of these smaller games. I need to go back to Gal Metal as well. That's probably the real answer. I should have gone back to Gal Metal, but I did not enjoy Gal Metal that much. So I wanted to try something a bit new. So maybe I'll get back to Gal Metal once I get back. Um, but I've been enjoying that as well. You know, I, I think with motion controls, especially with non-proprietary controllers, um, motion controls for a game like that can be really finicky and it can really require you to do a lot of thinking of, you know, how you, how you do motions and things like that. So I'm still trying to learn what that game is like. I've read kind of opinions across the board of like, Hey, it's like impossible to control. And those who are like, Hey, this is perfect. It basically mimics the maracas of the original dreamcast game. So anyways, that's what I've been playing fairly briefly. So so most of this week's going to be a news-focused show. I probably should have said that from the start. Um, so we're going to focus on that news. Um, but before we get into our Patreon kind of sub-segment break here, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, one news story because it is probably the most relevant news story to me, and that is Final Fantasy VII, The First Soldier, will be shutting down in January. I'm very sad to hear this. As a as a fan of that Final Fantasy VII, or not Final Fantasy VII, sorry, I'm not really a Final Fantasy VII fan, I will say. I'm more of a general Final Fantasy fan, and I like seeing how Final Fantasy gets applied in different ways in a lot of the times. And so First Soldier, in my opinion, I'm sure I talked about it on the podcast before, was a very good um, attempt to, to modify the or, or add the Final Fantasy formula 
to a battle royale game. And I think it was very successful in that regard. The biggest problems of that game, I think, were really the technical issues kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so they're shutting this game down in January. Basically just said, hey, not successful enough. Um, I went and read some of the tweets and the response to their, their posting about this. And most people I saw were like, well, if they put it to Switch, Xbox, you know, PC, PS4, whatever, it would have done better. And, you know, obviously the larger you increase the 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 range of audience you have um the the more likely you're going to be bringing players in right but to me i guess to me it doesn't like make a lot of sense given square enix's history with these types of games so in my mind like when i think of square enix's mobile strategy i think of basically shotgun blasts of games like it's very clear when square enix is putting out a game they kind of don't care how I mean, obviously they care how it performs, but they aren't committed to a game. It's not like the Final Fantasy XIV situation. We put a number on this game and we have to pull this together or else we're going to damage the Final Fantasy brand. And back when fourteen was going on, you know, the Final Fantasy brand was already kind of in, in a weird state along with Japanese games as a whole, right? Um, and so... I, they don't care about that in mobile space very much. And so what you see is a lot of these games that just get thrown out there. They get supported for like six months to a year. And then basically they, you know, chop them off. And the majority of those games that Square Enix makes do not make it. And they do not make that first year or they barely make the first year kind of thing. It's only the very few that stick. And so to me, when I look at what Square Enix is doing with this game, it very much felt like a game that they just shot out there saw if it would stick, and if it doesn't stick, they don't want to bother with it. And the more and more resources they invest in that, you know, the, it, it, it doesn't fit in that plan anymore, right? So it makes a lot of sense to me that this is the approach they take. And, you know, whether that's a successful approach or not is, you know, kind of another thing. And, I, you know, obviously from a game preservation standpoint, it's an awful thing because we have all these games like, you know, was it Seven Samurai, Last Samurai, I forget what it was called, the mobile game that they had to shut down and relaunch, like, two times i think um then you have like the final fantasy explorers game that came out that i think is dead you know there's so many of these square enix projects that come out on mobile and just get tossed right under the, the boat as soon as like you know they're just like okay we gave it the year and it's not really picking up we're not going to invest in this so it sucks in that regard but it just makes a lot of sense from that approach and in my opinion honestly a game like final fantasy 7 you know uh the battle royale version of this probably doesn't exist outside that environment within square enix especially producing a game like that for console and the cost that it could take and the quality that it might you know require because like that game definitely feels like you know PUBG level of like this game's kind of broken at times and it just kind of always is in a weird state of broken unfortunately and, and it's kind of interesting because like I feel like the target market was probably more of like China uh, I know that it supports traditional Chinese I didn't see if it actually released there but I assume if it supports Chinese uh you know uh, language then it would actually um launch there at least that's my assumption I could be wrong um, and, and my assumption is that that was the market they're shooting for. The game feels most like a PUBG, and I believe, last I checked, it's been a while though, PUBG Mobile is like kind of the big battle royale game in Japan. So making a Final Fantasy version of PUBG Mobile, basically, I think was kind of the goal. And, and if it didn't catch on in that, you know, um, region, I think that especially cements that. And, and I think the other regions were kind of bonus to some extent. So anyways, I'm not saying that it's like, cool, I'm unhappy that it's getting shut down personally. I mean, I would love for it to keep going. Although I will say I played through season one, enjoyed my time. I probably put like maybe close to a hundred hours into it. I don't know for sure. 
um, and seeing it go, you know, I probably wouldn't have played it otherwise unless they brought it to like a console or PC. But I just think the market for that and Square Enix's willingness to support that market just was not, you know, did not match up with what was going, what, what their plan is kind of thing. So sad to see it go though. I might end up playing some before it shuts down. There's a new map that was added that I never checked out. They said they're going to keep applying uh, content updates until uh, it shuts down in January. So, you know, there's about two or three months left that you got to get in on it. So maybe spend some time over the holiday checking it out and uh, checking out kind of the last iteration of that game. Um, I have heard that technically it has not really improved much since it came out, other than just less crashing, unfortunately, or fortunately less crashing, but unfortunately it sounds like frame rate issues are still an issue, even if you have, you know, a, a higher-end phone. Um, I bought my phone basically new. as a Samsung Galaxy, I think, 21... It was like the middle one that like people said you probably shouldn't get, but I won't get into it. I explained it probably on the podcast that I picked up the phone that like I had to rush to get a phone and that was the only one they had um, that I wanted within that range. So it was about a thousand bucks to get it. So at the time it was running even rough on that thing, even at launch. So, and that phone was fairly new at the time. So anyways, rest in peace, first soldier. Um, maybe we'll stream it at some point and be like, yeah, let's play some first soldier before this game shuts down. Uh, but I gotta do that right alongside Babylon's fall to race for time on both of them. So it's Patreon time. Welcome to the Patreon again. Thank you so much. Henry Dagger, Julian, Paul Daniel, and discreet for your support. Um, if you support me, you get bonus videos next week. There's a bonus video coming up that basically has me read a set of article reading where I read over my, how the nightlife killed my animal crossing new leaf town, which is a article that I had published on venture beat. Despite them saying it's a community article, it was actually published over on venture beat. It, I, I submitted it through a community contri contribution thing and it would go up on the main site, but because of all their data management stuff later, it eventually got resorted back into the community. But Basically, just an article where I talked about how me staying up at night because of my job and everything uh, made it really hard for me to play and enjoy Animal Crossing New Leaf. So there's an article reading for that going up next week. Um, so if you want to check that out, again, $5 for a bonus video. However, you contribute to the Patreon. You can also ask a Patreon question as Jillian has. I think we're down to our last two questions in our initial batch. And then we have a handful or then we have a new batch after that. So Jillian's question was, what is your favorite game? based on just art style, or favorite game, sorry, multiple. I did pull aside multiple. It was actually pretty hard to choose these. I feel like some games is more about presentation as a whole, um, and then some games I had kind of overlapping feelings with, so I tried to prioritize the games that focus the most on, um, you know, a, a, a particular aesthetic. So, so some things like like I, I, like, for example, I had Killer7 in this group initially, but El Shaddai kind of massages some of the same itches so i prioritize el shaddai so let's get started with el shaddai then i mean i've talked about el shaddai on a pickup video when i picked up the xbox 360 version of that game i played it originally on ps3 when i just rented it um and i really like el shaddai i love the aesthetics of that game you know it does that very like um that thing where they obscure the lines between what's actually part of the game and like what's a background. And I really love it when, when you can't really see the dividing line between things. So it just kind of feels like this open expanse or, or at times like the, the walls themselves are almost like this weird decorative display in some ways. 
Um, really a ton of things that El Shaddai does aesthetically that I really love. I do like the game itself. I know that's not necessarily a popular opinion. I know a lot of people think the game is kind of uh, repetitive, and I totally understand why, but I really do like the aesthetic itself a lot, and I do like the game itself a lot too. Um, 24 Tokyo, I'll always bring up a chance to play 24 Tokyo. If you don't know what this is, this is a Dojin game that was sold at Comic Cat. I forget which Comic Cat. I feel like it was maybe 91, but I could be wrong. Um, and there's actually three episodes to it, but I only have found uh, episode one. Episode two and three were sold on the same disc. As far as I can tell, we're not sold digitally on DL site or anything like that. And so you can only get that disc from that one Comic Cat event that they had it, and I can't find any copies otherwise. So. Someday, maybe I'll get it. There's also a soundtrack disc that I unfortunately couldn't ever get, but um, it, it's very cool um, aesthetically. And so the big thing is that it was very like, um, I don't know what you would call it, like a neon Tokyo kind of look, very specific, like one color bases for these different portraits. It's a visual novel kind of thing. So it's just, you know, talking heads basically. But aesthetically, it looks really nice. The artist is the School Rumble artist. So the main character in School Rumble looks very much like the main character in this as well. Um, and it just has a really nice aesthetic to it. It's really hard to describe though. It's probably just more or less just like hard-boiled detective kind of look. If you think of like a hard-boiled detective story, you probably can start kind of figuring out what that would look like in your mind. I did do a little like... um uh, video clip, podcast clip on it back when I did podcast clips. I mean, technically the podcast highlights are clips, but the podcast clip was specifically for Twitter. And so it was like very short. So I'll link that podcast clip here somewhere in the description or something like that for the podcast itself. Um, Radiata story. So I thought about initially about Skies of Arcadia or um, even what was the other game? I can't remember the other game that I was thinking of, but Skies of Arcadia, I definitely was thinking of in this case of just like, I really like the chibi characters in Skies of Arcadia and like the anime, very like an tra traditional anime 90s art style aesthetic for that. However, I feel like Radiata Stories kind of polishes that a little bit more. And while it's maybe not as colorful as Skies of Arcadia, I do think it does a really good job of like softening up a lot of the texture work. And I, I probably would have called it cell shaded at the time. I don't think it's actually cell shaded, but they did a lot of like blurring on the texture work that I think worked really well. And, and that kind of softer look, I think really fit well with the lighter tone of that game. There's definitely some serious elements in that game. And I personally find, or at least at the time when I played it, when I was like a teenager, right? Like maybe 13 or 14. And I was kind of weird with, stories in general back then but like I kind of found the main story to be kind of underwhelming and not that interesting but I love the dialogue and how characters played off each other and and just how goofy the game was in a lot of ways you can go around and just like kick everybody in the game and they'll respond in different ways or you fight them or whatever it, it's it's really silly in that regard um and it's just like a really fun fun game and I think that the aesthetic they grabbed um, for that, you know, while maybe it looks a little straightforward, I think really fit it well. I think a lot of people, and I feel like in Xenoblade Chronicles, this is the game I was thinking of, Xenoblade Chronicles does this thing where like the faces are very blurry when I'm talking about the original Xenoblade Chronicles. Um, and I recently heard somebody call it very like, um, uh, Vagrant Story-esque, like the, the uh, PlayStation game. And, and I feel like this game kind of has some of that too. It's like very like, the it's a little not as blurry as like maybe Xenoblade Chronicles but it's like a almost like a soft effect on the face and things like that and I really enjoyed it in both Xenoblade Chronicles and and Radiata Story so Kabuki Warriors is a game that I probably would not love without its aesthetic 
um, because I just like the Kabuki aesthetic in general, I think. I did not realize I liked the Kabuki aesthetic so much until I played Kabuki Warriors. There's something to say, be said about like the pace of Kabuki Warriors as a game, but I just really like the look of, of Kabuki as a whole with like the really exaggerated costumes and the, the face paint and stuff like that. Um, I, I, I generally like kind of stage plays. I don't go look at them, watch them very often, but I do like that kind of like theatrical performance. And, and, and so, you know, Kabuki, I think reminds me of that to some degree, but takes the, what I, I largely would contribute to like in a theatrical performance, most like within one here in like the U.S., something like that, most of it comes down to like how you project your voice, right? And then also how you move your body. So basically everybody can see and hear you know, the emotion you're trying to convey and things like that. And I feel like Kabuki takes that to another level to some degree where they have these very elaborate costumes and things like that and certain like, you know, more traditional effects that happen with like, you know, paper and stuff that they kind of throw around to kind of, I mean, not paper thrown around. I don't know where I got that from, but like different things in the, the props and things in the environment that like are really interesting in how they how they um, operate or even just like as much as like, hey, there's a guy and he has like this paper thing behind him and then a bunch of people come out and pick it up and they make this big like, you know, colored background behind him because they pulled this paper up kind of thing. So um, I really like that aesthetic. That's more of traditional Kabuki praise rather than Kabuki Warriors. Kabuki Warriors maybe doesn't represent it super well. It's just like, here's our fighting game and then you're on a stage and you have Kabuki characters. <laughs> but But that was kind of the entry point for me at the very least. And the last game I want to talk about is Love Plus. Um, I have a hard time really getting into Love Plus for a variety of reasons, I think. But um, one thing I really enjoy, and this is more of maybe not specifically about how Love Plus looks, but maybe the concept of Love Plus, is I do really enjoy a game that will go out of its way to basically say, we're taking all of our development or all of our hardware resources from like what we can display and investing it in this one thing. In the case of Love Plus, that's the girl standing across from you, right? Otherwise, it's just kind of like these kind of blurry CG backgrounds. But, <laughs> but, but otherwise, you know, it's, it's, it's this really high detailed character on a Nintendo DS, right? And I really kind of appreciate games that go out of their way to just kind of invest the entire hardware's power in making one particular thing and then everything else just kind of doesn't really matter. I think that's like an interesting approach and it's not something you see very often because it often, you know, very much limits what you can do with the game in a lot of ways. So anyways, that's it for the Patreon question. Thank you again, Jillian, for that question. As per usual, the Patreon question will go up on Monday or on the Patreon. So you can basically go and um, see what the question will be there. But you can also ask your own question in the comment section for the post. Or if you want to do it anonymously, feel free to message me through Patreon as well and let me know, um, you know what your question is too. Back to news. Uh, mostly just updates here on a lot of different things. You know, First Soldier was kind of an update already. But, uh, but for the most part, there's some interesting stuff in here. Um, first and foremost, just a quick correction from last week, although maybe not a correction. At the time when I talked about it, it was the case. And literally, I think right when I published the podcast or finalized the podcast, um, it changed. So Chaos had no, we talked about last week because we were talking about Nintendo guidelines changing for the eShop. And Chaos had no, it was an interesting case because when Nintendo was getting, blocking certain games from the eShop, Steam was allowing them on Steam. Uh, in the case of Chaos Had Noah, the the Switch version was going to come out, but the Steam version was being blocked. So um, around the time I finished that podcast, like I said, um, uh, they basically said, hey, actually, we reevaluated the game. Valve said this. We reevaluated the game, and it's good, basically. So basically, the game came out as, as intended. 
Um, so that that didn't really happen. Um, but I do think it kind of uh, continues to emphasize the need for more direct guidelines from this on Steam specifically. Um, although on Nintendo's side, I'm not really sure what that process looks like. But I know Steam has been, you know, an issue in the past because they basically will say, you know... They, they they just really have a hard time like setting an actual line of like what content is allowed and what content's not allowed. So a lot of developers are kind of left guessing from what I've I've heard from that. So anyways, just a little quick update there. The X sixty eight thousand, the little uh, mini specifically. So this is the one that uh, I think the company's called Zwicky or something like that as uh, producing. So they were supposed to be start taking pre-orders on the 8th. However, they actually delayed it. And basically they said they need to incorporate some feedback. Now they didn't specifically say what that feedback was, um, but they did show off the unit at Tokyo Game Show. As far as I'm aware, was not operable at that show. And then they showed it off at another, another show. I can't remember what the show was, but they showed it off twice basically. And I'm not quite sure what feedback they got. But when they um, were planning to launch the pre-order, one thing they did say um, is that basically it's going to be an emulated PC, not in collection of games. Now, I want to say, I want to emphasize, I'm using machine translation for this. So I think what they're saying is you can actually emulate a, like a OS on there and everything, and, and you can install games and play it on there. However, if they're just saying just emulating the PC, it could be like how the translation is working is that we're just emulating the PC form factor. So again, wait for more details. They haven't said when they're going to be um, basically launching that whole campaign again, but basically it's just on hold for now. Um, but it sounds like it's not going to be, you know, at least just like a easy access um, way to play some X68000 games. You're either going to have to load your own stuff on there or maybe they won't even play at all depending on the approach. Most people seem to understand that the slots on the front of the system where the floppy drives were were an sd card slot and it was form factored in a way that that looks very likely so it looks like it will be something you can utilize but we'll we'll see once that gets closer but again it has been pushed off weird physical things for old games uh an addition uh or i guess continued uh glay lancer a game that i have purchased on the virtual console but have not played still um, basically this is a like side scrolling shooter that has like kind of an like, anime style cutscenes as much as like, you know, you can do anime style cutscenes on a mega drive, right? I think it might be, is it a CD game? No, I don't. It is not a CD game because literally they are reproducing the Sega mega drive Genesis rather in the U S uh, cartridge for this. Um, so they're going to be doing a physical cart for it. You can buy it on Columbus circles website, um, on starting October 28th. Um, so I'll put the link for that in the description if you're interested in that. Uh, I don't remember how much the price was, I will say. Um, but it was something that was like, uh, you know, it was fairly expensive. You know, they're producing a physical cart, but I do hope more developers go out of their way to produce these kind of, um, physical copies of games more often. I do really, I do, I do like having the option, especially for original consoles and things like that. Obviously, it's going to matter less and less as people move away from, you know, official hardware. But um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of like just be able to pick up a PS2 copy of a game really easily, right? When I got Yakuza 2 for like manufactured suggested retail price of $50, like in 2016 or something like that. So I just would like to see more of this. Two weeks in a row of hearing from developers that I feel like we don't hear enough from. Although, again, X, or, uh, Tri-Ace is making Star Ocean. Um, 
Sin Sophia. Uh, they have announced that they're launching a new uh, pre-Magi game, which I think is like part of the pre-Par series or a successor to that series. Um, although it is just like an updated version of the previous version that came out. Uh, these are the ones with the new card types that are like the kind of like, I don't know what you'd call them, like cards with like the weird princess crowns on top of them that I like a lot. They're very cute cards. Um, but kind of the intention that they said with this new version of this arcade game is to um, basically focus more on the create a character. Um, again, all the stuff from Google Translate and, and DeepL and things like that. Um, but they want to make it so that you have more options for, for basically expanding your character creation. They also said like... <laughs> Both both translations translated this way. I did not look at the original text, but so it may literally say metaverse in, in Katakana or something like that. But they said, or the translation said that they're going to be using a meta, or they want it to be like a metaverse-like experience where you have a connection with your character in the game. I, I, I kind of don't really think that's going to be... I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it will have a more metaverse-like experience, but like a, as an arcade game being built on top of a previously, you know, released pre-para game, I'm going to guess there's not a lot going on there. It's just a matter of like them saying, hey, here's a character that can represent you in the world because we're focusing more on that kind of character creation thing. Now, one thing I don't know if this is uh, standard for the series, this is the first time I've heard of something like this, though, is it sounds like there's like a 500 yen premium subscription option, basically, where every 30 days you can basically pay 500 yen to get some bonuses stuff. Um, what exactly was in here, I was not 100% sure. Under the premium section, they mentioned expanded character creation. So I don't know if that was just them saying that generally, or this is relation to that premium service. I think it was like character height and something like that. Um, but it kind of sounded also like battle passy where it sounds like you might get like items and things like that as you like sign in. Um, so anyways, it's kind of interesting to see them make these changes to the game. I have not played that version of Primaji. I've not really played a pre-para game in general, honestly. I really should. I've only played Aikatsu a little bit and then I played, um, a Tokudol, obviously. So, um, there is like a Switch pre-para game that came out that is also developed by Sin Sophia that I would like to check out, although the physical version of it is pretty pricey last I checked. So if I ever want to play it, I'll probably have to, you know, buy it digitally. Although being a Japanese game, it could be that the digital version is like 7,000 yen or something like that too. So although 7,000 yen in the modern day might not be that bad, honestly. So anyway, so that's it for that. And then last but not least, I want to highlight something that I think is really cool. Although I don't know if Nintendo will come after this. Um, so some fans basically went ahead and uh, made a website that lets you play WarioWare DIY games. Um, so if you don't remember, WarioWare, WarioWare DIY was a Nintendo DS and I believe a WiiWare release as well. Although maybe the Nintendo DS version was the main release and the WiiWare version was like a way you could play the games on the TV, if I recall correctly. The details are flooding back to my mind. <laughs> um, but anyway, so this was a, a thing where you can make your own WarioWare games. And um, I don't know how many people really engaged with this, uh, but there are a lot of them that were uploaded at the very least. And um, thankfully, uh, somebody has made it so you can play it in a web browser. So if you don't have access to WarioWare DIY, and I don't really know the server status of that, I assume it's still online or else where would they pull these from? Um, but you can go onto that website and, you know, because it is a touchscreen focused game, you can just use your mouse pointer to play some games. I did notice some weird glitches and stuff in some games. I don't know if that's a side effect of we're playing this on a browser in like an emulated environment 
or if it was more of just those games were glitchy from the beginning, um, you know, being user-made things. Um, so I don't know for sure how, how accurate it is, but I mean, this is definitely a better way to portray this stuff than not having access to it at all, right? So really hoping Nintendo doesn't take it down. Again, I'll have the link to this in the description uh, for the podcast if you want to check it out. But there are thousands and thousands of games on there. Some of them are like copy and paste, just like change of graphics. It's a lot of just like, hey, poke the boob thing and you'll win kind of thing too. So, you know, <laughs> just not not high quality content there. It is just if you want to dig around some random people who uploaded some micro games and just kind of see what's there. So anyways, that's it for this week. Thank you guys so much for coming. I really appreciate it. Like I said, I'll be at Portland Retro Game Expo at this weekend. But when I say this weekend, I really mean the weekend before. So if you're like, Ben, I didn't know you're at Portland Retro Game Expo. Too late, baby. I'm flying back home. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I'm recording this early. So hopefully uh, next week we'll be back on a nor- normal schedule. Hopefully I've played enough Samba de Amigo that we can talk about that. Hopefully I've played enough Urban GT that I can go deeper into that too and enjoy that. Um, otherwise though, um, like per usual, if you want to listen to this podcast, you can listen to any podcast platforms, um, or go to any podcast platform and look up one controller port. I would ideally be there. Hopefully I know there's always kind of weird gaps here and there, but anchor FM does a pretty good job of uploading to a variety of services at the very least. Um, and then for the, uh, if you didn't see last week, we streamed, um, some more Dojin games. I'm hoping that's the plan. So I'm going to say this, hoping that happens properly. seems like it'll work. So check that out if you want to see some Dojin games uh, mostly from like the mid to early 2000s kind of range of Dojin games and then uh this upcoming week um we have uh that patreon video that is me going over the radiata stories but i did have a um pickups video that came out last week as well so check out that pickups video if you haven't seen that too or just go through some recent stuff i got from japan retro direct so anyways thank you guys again so much for your time and i hope you have a great week bye